Hey there, welcome back. Just doing a little bit of antique research this evening. Let's see here. I'd like some Billy Carson. Or maybe I should do some uh, Gaia. Stephen Greer. But this is Midas Touch headline. Michael Cohen and Malcolm Nance expose the Trump Putin insurgency. Okay, that sounds important. I've been using Tonal for a few weeks now, and I can tell you it's an absolute game changer if you work out at home. Like most people have small basements, we don't have a ton of room to work with, so our biggest consideration is a big spot for an Asian dude. Stick this butt out right now. Read what 
like to actually seize that asset and turn it over as a, uh, a warship, uh, turn it over as a ship to the government of Ukraine and let them sell it off. I mean, just throw haymaker after haymaker. Let them know, okay, you want to play this game? Tucker Carlson's not going to help you here when we go after your wallet. Okay, but if you take the mega yacht and you take the $300 million in cash, you're talking about a billion dollars. To be very honest with you, I don't think Vladimir Putin would give a shit about a billion dollars. Because while it may be more of an attack to his ego, what's a billion dollars in? It's, there's no doubt in my mind that Vladimir Putin confirmed Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos' money and still be the richest man in the world. So what's a billion dollars to him when he could steal that money from his country in 24 hours if he wanted to? It's nothing. I think the, personally, I think the response by the United States has to be economic, but I think it has to be economically crushing to Russia, not to Vladimir Putin's pocket, but to Russia as a whole, so that more Navalny's rise up from the ground and they start to say, no, 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 this is bullshit. This guy's got a $750 million yacht. He's got a three, $400 million house somewhere. He's got three, $400 million that the United States just seized. And we're all eating shit. We're basically being given sugar and vodka and a pack of cigarettes and told to enjoy it while our sons, our sons are dying on a battlefield in Ukraine for no apparent reason at all except to make this motherfucker even richer. There has to be a much stronger response. I agree with you wholeheartedly. There has to be but a, a whole hard, a, 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 a national level response. But it also has to be international. We need to do this as a coalition as well. You know, I mean, as of a few days ago, everybody was thinking the United States was the weakest country on the planet, thanks to uh, Moscow Mike Johnson and, uh, you know, and uh, Donald Trump. And now I think, look, I'm still a big fan of stealing Bugsy Malone's wallet while you indict him and try to bring him to prison, right? Take down his empire. But, um, you know, that, that, that being said, that's going to take a coalition effort. And we have been trying to stop Moscow through sanctions and other methodologies. But whatever we're going to do, we need to do it now. We need to do it loud. And we need to show that we're not weak. We have some uh, ways of hurting uh, people that are sanctions busting. And I'm talking to you, United Arab Emirates, uh, and other countries that are helping them and their allies like Iraq. You know, I was thinking as well when all of this happened, what implication do you think that Navalny's death will have on United States-Russian relations, if any? This break is now only $3.84 on Finmobile. Made of genuine green cells, this bracelet is unique. The perfect gift for yourself or someone. Don't miss out. Download and shop on Finmobile now. I know Donald Trump very well. Chaos follows him. Donald Trump said that the election was stolen. He said that January 6th was abuse.
say, I think January 6th was a terrible day, and I think President Trump will have to answer for it. He talks about revenge. He's just going to become more unhinged. It's going to get worse. He's not qualified to be the president of the United States. Is this who we want as a president? Is this who we want our kids to see? I don't think so. Defending democracy together is responsible for the content of this advertisement. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's two teams you're talking about playing with here. Russia, the people, and the people that you want to stoke up, right? You want to give them more opportunity to have a, a, a better world, a better chance, despite all that, that bull and bullshit noise that Tucker Carlson made as a propaganda effort for Moscow, showing that they have shopping carts that you can put 10 rubles in and, and, and pull out. You know, and that they have cheap food because it's a sign that the economy is collapsing. You know, you want to try to keep them on side. So whatever effort we're going to have to make, we're going to have to clearly delineate that we would be supporting someone who is like Navalny, the people who are like Navalny, who will put Putin into his place. And that's very important. As a Vladimir Putin, I mean, that man doesn't believe anything other than action, right? He's a full KGB hand. He understands about making people disappear at 30,000 feet, uh, you know, making you go to prison in Siberia, and then poisoning you or throwing you out a fucking window. That's right. And, you know, Moscow windows or, you know, colonial tea. All of the other methodologies, he revels in. He loves that he terrifies his population with this. You have to make sure that he is personally sanctioned. Start with his wife. Start with his kids who happen to be all over Europe, right? Make sure that every person downstream of him is sanctioned, including their immediate family, all right? You can't have people like um, Gerasimov, chief of general staff of the Russian army. His son, all right, is in London, uh, you know, living an openly gay lifestyle and flaunting his father's stolen money while killing Ukrainians. All of them need to, they need to push down those, uh, you know, those sanctions list and make it really hurt. And, you know, I'll tell you, it's um, no surprise with the murder of Alexei Navalny, the fact that Putin, KGB, forward thinker, right, obviously a chess player, there's no doubt in my mind he realized that the United States would have a reaction and that there would be implications to Russia, which is, of course, why they put out that propaganda bullshit about sending up nukes into space, that they could wipe out our telecommunications, that they could wipe out our entire grid by blowing up our satellites in space. You think they have that capability, or you think he's fucking dreaming? Literally, the plot of the James Bond movie, Goldeneye. <laughs> right? I mean, right. it's just ludicrous. Anyone can send a weapon system into space and make that weapon system explode near a satellite or release an electromagnetic pulse going out to a thousand kilometers. Yes, but that's a nuclear weapon system you are lofting into space. Yes, Russia and the United States have satellites, which are nuclear power plants that are in space, but that is very different than a weapon system in which you're going to say you're going to do that, all right? As soon as you do that, first off,
just imagine the White House. This murder of Alexei Navalny is not something that is going to be done and over with in terms of investigation, accountability, you know, starting right in the White House under the Biden administration. That would then, of course, roll over to the next administration. And my fear, besides what Trump is president, who wants to be just like Vladimir Putin, everything that he's seeing right now that Putin did, the jailing of your critics, the killing of your critics. Look, we all, and I talk about this, obviously, ad nauseum, they jailed me as a critic. They violated my First Amendment constitutional right and sent me back to Otisville because I refused to waive my constitutional right off of an FLM, right, a federal um, location monitoring uh, agreement that didn't even exist. It was a fraudulent document that they wanted me to sign. When I wouldn't sign the fraudulent document, they then turned around and remanded me, got an order of remand on a fake document, and sent me back to Otisville. Alexei Navalny, Navalny was a critic. Started the anti-corruption group there right. in Russia. Figured out and did as a journalist a deep dive into all of Russia elite, starting with Vladimir Putin, to their obscene wealth. And this, of course, ticked them all off. So they raided the office, they jailed him and a couple of other people, and ultimately murdered him. What did Trump say that he's going to do? He's going to go after his critics. He wants to execute Joint Chief of Staff General Mark Milley. Why is, why is this any different? So my question, what happens if Trump becomes president? Well, this is all a template. This is all a template. You're not talking the next administration. You're talking about the last administration in the United States. It's not an administration. Right? I mean, it is tantamount to setting the United States up for civil war. Because Donald Trump won't wait for a minute. They've already announced. They've already announced that they would start rounding people up using the National Guard. Do you think he's going to stop at Latinos? Do you think he's going to stop at pro-Palestine you know, activists? Do you think he's going to stop at anyone who's an American? You think he'll stop no. at, you think he'll he'll stop with, at the blacks? You think he'll stop at Muslims?
wing down to Hamas and Hezbollah. Thank you. 
such a hassle. Fortunately, now you can try Smile Actives at home or anywhere, anytime. Smile Actives offers a safe and an affordable alternative to those expensive whitening processes. Like most people, I'm a big coffee drinker. I drink a ton of coffee. And over time, I've noticed that my teeth have lost some of their brightness that I was originally used to seeing. 97% of Smile Active users in a clinical trial reported up to six shades whiter on average, all within 30 days. I've been using it. Look. It's simply add Smile Active Pro Whitening Gel to your regular toothpaste. It's been formulated with PolyClean technology to boost stain removal and deliver active whitening ingredients into your teeth grooves and crannies so that you get better whitening. Smile Actives makes a teeth whitening gel that can simply be added to your toothpaste every time that you brush your teeth. So no change in your routine, no extra time, and no more messy strips, trays, or lights. People will start commenting on your whiter, your brighter smile in just days. Smile Actives is the whitening boost your favorite toothpaste needs to give you the smile that you deserve. So I want you all right now to visit smileactives.com forward slash Owen today to receive a special I want get one free offer with auto delivery plus free shipping and handling. Smileactives.com slash Owen. Terms and conditions apply, so see the site for details. Well, they're, they're doing it only for their own pocket. They're not doing it because they believe in Trump or even anything he stands for. They only care about increasing, you know, their net worth, which is insane because these are the folks that are making like a billion dollars a year just in interest as if they fucking need more. That's the crazy thing. And they're willing to jeopardize our democracy for their own bottom line. I can't tell you the number of people that I know that, that think this way. And they don't even have to be the ultra one-tenth of one-tenth of one percent. I saw people with a hundred million. They, they're all looking at Trump like a useful idiot in order to advance their own financial goals. But I want you to do me a favor. What do you think? I'm going to stay on Russia for a few minutes more here. What's stopping Russia from interfering in the 2024 election? I mean, maybe they've already started, and Tucker Carlson is their carrier pigeon. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Uh, you know, granted, that, that interview, the whole hype running up to it, X pushing it, everything, the attack is on. Moscow is going to use all the systems at its disposal to impact this election. This is it. This is the election for the stake of the fundamentals of America, as it has existed for 248 years. It may end this year. That's not exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. Why am I getting 
all right? Yep. You are I can't right. even, the, with these words that are coming out of our mouth are absolutely it's unbelievable. It's so scary. So do me this favor, Dan. If there's anybody that would know, it would be you. I want you to speculate for a second. Mm-hmm. All right? What's the relationship between Donald Trump and Putin is? When do you think that it started? And how do you think it's going now? What? You see that book rack behind my head? That's all books on the relationship between Donald Trump and Putin. All right? Plot to hack America, plot to destroy democracy, plot to betray America. But God, I mean, his relation—it's—it's—it's. It, you know what? I would like to use the word incestuous, except that there's no brother and sister here. Okay, what we have going on here is a—you know—how uh, 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 can I put it? Uh, sort of a bear daddy gimp relationship for Donald Trump. Donald Trump has some trigger in his head that makes him completely and totally submissive and subordinate to Vladimir Putin. Is it just? A Passionate love of raw power. I mean, if you ever if you ever doubt that Donald Trump is not the gimpiest of guys out there, just take a look at that first photograph of Trump and Putin meeting in Helsinki with Trump with his fingers between his legs in that like church steeple, and Vladimir Putin sitting back looking at him like the collar is free. I mean, this is utterly amazing. But Donald Trump has this one guy in the world. One guy in the world whose approval he wants more than anything. Here's the problem. What if Donald Trump gets into that position of authority where he executes the exact same policies as Vladimir Putin, right? And, you know, what is it? Mentor-mentee relationship that they'll have as they destroy? No, America? no, no, not mentor. No, 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 Malcolm. Okay, not, tell me not, mentor, not mentor-mentee. No, no. What he's going to be is a Donald is a copycat. He's watching what Vladimir Putin does to critics. He's watching what Vladimir Putin does in terms of um, stealing wealth from the country. And the funny thing is, being that you mentioned Elon Musk and we talked about Bezos, we talked about the rich of the richest in America. These are the guys that Donald Trump is going to fuck first. Why? <laughs> because, imagine, they control, 20, 20 names control 80% of the wealth of this country. Mm-hmm. 20. Round them up, send them over to Mar-a-Lardo, put them like um, Mohammed bin Salman did on the floor in his, in, in his ballroom, and turn around and you say to Elon Musk, let me sort of give it to you in a way that even you can understand. How much are you worth? And they'll say I'm worth $300 billion. And Donald will have a steel team ship guy with a hammer, smash out his pinky fucking toe, and say, yeah, that's not the right answer. I'm going to keep breaking all your fucking toes until you give me the right answer. All right? And he'll turn around and he'll go, 97.8? I, I don't know. Smash. There goes the second toe, right? As he's crying and bleeding with a fucking toe that looks like a pancake. And he goes, let me give you a hint. Uh, closer to zero than to one. Um, zero? Right. Now sign this piece of paper transferring all your wealth 
he'll look at Bezos and he'll say, how do you tell he's doing today? Right? And on these, he will end up grabbing over a trillion dollars worth of liquid cash, which, by the way, is no different than what Vladimir Putin did. The only difference is it wasn't their toes, it was opening the window, and after they refused to sign it over, they decided that they wanted to learn how to fly. Donald is a copycat. And what he's going to do is going to be terrifying. It's going to be something for a sci-fi movie that we all think, right, we're living in. It's going to be like a handmade tale on steroids. Make no bones about it. You know, our problem... <laughs> you and I have been screaming this for years, and we have both been right all the time, and now we're talking kooky talk, and we're going to be right, because Deadly. we have moved to a place now in the United States where crazy is dominating. You've got crazies like Dinesh D'Souza, right, convicted felon, who's out there saying today Trump is Navalny. And that the, you know, that the liberals are trying to import, imprison him and that they're going to kill him in jail. This is riling up these people. And you know how I track this, by the way, how I track the level when I wrote that book on insurgents. You know how I track the levels of dissatisfaction uh, amongst the Trump base. I track the price of AR-15 ammunition. And pre-COVID, uh, it was about a dollar, no, it was about 31 cents per round. Post-COVID, after all the crazy... It went up to about a dollar twenty-five a round. Now it's down to about seventy-five cents per bullet. I want to see as this moves on whether that trends up, which means these people are stockpiling and the ammunition is becoming more cheap. As silly as that sounds, I know people. I'm a shooter. I'm a shooter. I know you know, and people are like, "Oh, this ammunition is getting." You know, why are you buying bulk five thousand round packs of of five point five six ammunition? You know, you're not a com- com- competitive shooter. These people are now mentally... Liberal, nobody should be a competitive shooter with an AR-15. That's not the, per- that's not the purpose. Uh, I mean, that's, that's horseshit, to be honest. You want to be a competitive shooter? Be a competitive shooter with a 22 caliber, right? You know, it's, it's, the, same, it's the same shit. And I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't buy that competitive nonsense. They're stockpiling to go to war. And well, now yeah, war is going to be a civil war. And almost, and almost like on cue, okay, as almost like somebody came out with this. If you recall, a couple of years ago before the election, there was a movie called uh, 13 Hours, the Super, super Soldiers yeah. or Super Soldiers of Benghazi, right, which was this really fanciful account of what happened in Benghazi, but it soaked all those Trump voters up. Well, this spring... Is a movie coming out called Civil War, and it's about a full-scale armed conflict between Americans, and it will get the mentality of these people who really think this is all just a movie, and that Joe Biden is a is a fake actor, and Donald Trump is actually living, you know, running the government through the army. This, by the way, every word I just said to you is what those people say. All right, they're nuts. This will make people believe that there's some.
more importantly, what's to blame for the worldwide rash of anti-Semitism? <laughs> well, this is a relatively easy one, right? I could just knock that off. Well, actually, I do have answers. Let me start with the press. Um, I've had some really big issues, some really big names in the U.S. and global media this year uh, since October 7th. I mean, really big issues. Like, I did not know some of the top writers at the Washington Post Top writers in major news organizations are really thinly veiling. They're just straight up Jew hatred, anti-Semitism. Mm. And I've warned some of them. And I've actually put out a tweet at one point where I said, when this is over and done with, a lot of you are not going to have careers. There are people in the media right now that as soon as 10-7 went down, their full-time job was to amplify the message from Hamas. Right. And the message from Hamas was you're killing tens of thousands of people in numbers that no one could even possibly count. All right. In these short amounts of time and that this is genocide. The entire global news apparatus jumped onto that. Now, I've been to a lot. Can't, would, you, would you name one or two of them? Not what? News organizations? Yeah. Well, let's say New York Times. Oh, no. From the well, New York I'm, Times. I won't, I won't say the individual's names, all right? But uh, some were, you know, some uh, have moved on to other news organizations out of places where I've worked at. But let's just put it this way. Um, the, what I saw was not them objectively viewing the massacre of 10-7. The sympathy for 10-7 in the news media, the objective analysis of it, lasted about a day. Then by the time 10-8 and 10-9 came around, where the Israelis started carrying out serious airstrikes, it was if somebody had switched off a light switch. And the mm -hmm. fact that Israel was on the counterattack from the air, and that it was Netanyahu saying it, it delegitimized every operation, everything Israel did. Now, I've been around this for 40 years, right? I've worked in the Middle East and counterterrorism my entire career. I have seen airstrikes, I have helped plan airstrikes, I have seen a lot of stuff. What I saw those first few days in Israel was some extremely precision bombing. But to the news media, it was bombing. Therefore, it was indiscriminate. Therefore, you're killing tens of thousands of Palestinians, you're just aiming and wiping out everybody, therefore genocide. And there wasn't even a fraction of a second's hesitation in that. And some really big names in the United States were backing this up. I got into a, a serious fight. I'll tell you what. I got into a serious verbal altercation on Twitter. If you want some entertainment, go to the Malcolm Nance Twitter feed on 10-7 through 10-10. All right? Knives were flying. I had a professor at Georgetown University literally call me a disgusting, disgraceful uh, a pig or Zionist or something. And I hauled him out publicly. And I said, I want to hear you denounce Hamas right now, right now. It took him hours to finally say, well, I didn't agree with what they did, said. The mass murder, the invasion of Israel, the mass murder of all of these civilians is heinous. The United States, when we had 3,000 of our citizens burned to death, we were in the Middle East 
for 20 years or 40 combined years, if you want to put that together with Iraq or Afghanistan, Syria, and that Israel could not defend itself became the immediate overriding theme of the news media. Let me tell you something. I lived in the Muslim world my whole life. I speak Arabic, multiple dialects. I've lived in that part of the world. I've been to the West Bank. I hadn't been to Gaza, but I've been to West Bank. I've been to Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Egypt, Yemen. Did I miss any? Saudi Arabia, every country in that region. I've lived in or worked in, but I have never seen anything like the pile on that went on after 10-7. And it had one factor. Look, I'm an intelligence guy. My job is to determine the, the single, uh, you know, the, 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 the most common denominator. And the most common denominator of all criticism was that it was the Jews doing this. And when the Syrians killed 600,000 of their own citizens, yep. tens and tens of thousands of children gassed them with sarin and mustard nerve gas, not one protest. Not one. And at the exact same time as 10-7 went down, Sudan was undergoing a crisis where 6.5 million people were being forced to move, right, with Tens of thousands of them had already been killed in the civil war between two warring factions, one run by Russia. Not a word. This is where if it, if, if it ain't Jews, it ain't news. And I, I, I'm going to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I firmly believe this now. Right. The level and depth of anti-Semitism I did not know existed amongst people who were my friends, people who call themselves progressives, people who call themselves, you know, open-minded thinkers. I have people right now screaming Zionist, you know, at me. You living in a, you know, you support an apartheid state? Well, I just spent a month in that apartheid state. That is one of the brownest countries I've ever been to. Okay, you got to go hunt for the older Ashkenazi white Jews. You got to go hunt for them. Israel is 80% Mizrahi Jew which means they're from Syria, Lebanon, Iraq. I interviewed a woman who was an 80-year-old woman who was born in Baghdad, lived all of her childhood in Baghdad, spoke perfect fluent Arabic. She and I knew streets that I had had to clear, you know, when, or work on when I was in Iraq. It was amazing. Jewish. Wow. These people are blind to the fact that almost a million Jews were ethnically cleansed into Israel. And then they come back and they say, well, you're colonizers. You can't colonize a country that you have owned for 3,000, my count, 323 years. I think there's another thousand years in there because I didn't throw in the 12 tribes period. But that goes back to King Solomon, right? Wow. What the? <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy. But you, know, you brought up Netanyahu. I mean, mm. Netanyahu, in all fairness, seems to be a problem for everyone, including yeah. President Biden. What's your opinion on the prime minister? And should Israel do all that they can to finally get rid of him? I mean, he, to me, to me, he's like a, he's like a, a fungus. You, know, you got to get rid of it. It's, it's no good. Look, they agreed to a unity government after 10-7 in which they were going to put everything aside to the, to the completion of the war. Uh, I'm telling you, they are going to have to resolve the Netanyahu problem. It's not a question of optics. It's a question of all the steps that he took. And I said that this in Israel, I would say this to his face. If I had an interview with him, I would say, you failed at the single simplest job 
you had. Look, Netanyahu. Well, I, don't know if I would say I don't know if I would say it's simple, but he failed at the most important job, most which important is to keep the, the the American the um, Israeli citizen safe. The defense of the nation, right? The defense of the nation. This is a guy who, who his brother died in a famous commando raid. He was in Sayeret Mekal. He was in a commando force. The problem is he seems he's too slick by ten halves. Okay, he is manipulating things, and it is so patently clear. I mean, you know, you feel every time that you hear him talk that you, you know you just want to say shut up and let you know uh, Admiral Hagani make all the statements because every time you talk, you delegitimize your cause. A good leader, a good leader. All right, like Golda Meir. You know, there was a point where Golda Meir, after the seventy-three war, she said, "I failed. I failed this nation." Right. We almost came to having to use nukes. I need to go. I need to step down. Not Netanyahu. Netanyahu wow. thinks he needs to be saved by this. And if he thinks that this is his salvation, then he hates he the family. You know who's going to do him in? The people that I met down at Hostage Square. The families of the abducted and the dead. You and know, they're going to Yeah, I was thinking to myself, if I was like the PR crisis manager for the Palestinian Authority, mm. I would turn around and I would say to Hamas, or if I was the PR crisis for Hamas, give the hostages back. Mm -hmm. The second you give the hostages back, any further action by Israel would be seen by the world as unnecessary and overly aggressive. I don't think Netanyahu would stop, by the way, right? But the notion and the notion that we're doing it in order to get back the hostages, dead or alive, mm -hmm. I think is bullshit by Netanyahu. First of all, my heart goes out to all of the innocent, and it's Israeli, Palestinian alike. The thing that saddens me, I have not heard one imam, not one, come out and actually hold Hamas, not Palestine, not the mm -hmm. Palestinian people, but hold Hamas accountable for murder, rape, torture, hostage taking, etc. I haven't. And that's sad, because if it was the other way around, I assure you, you would have rabbis from every faith. Right from uh, you're talking about Orthodox, conservative, uh, Satmar, you'd have from the uh, Lubavitch, you would have Jews coming out and saying, this is not right. This should not right. be, this should not happen. And, you know, we'll do everything that we can to help stop it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, I put a tweet out about a week ago, experimental tweet, where I said, um, if you want this to be a ceasefire, I agree that there should be a complete and total ceasefire on the three following conditions. Hamas ceases fire. Hamas surrenders. Hamas releases the hostages. This war would end that tomorrow. Yep. Instant. No, not even. It would be ceasefire across a line. You know, all hands. Stop. Ceasefire. Walk out. What I found in the Free Palestine movement that upsets me more than anything, because like I said, I've lived in the Muslim world my whole life. I have fired the machine gun at over a dozen of my guys' weddings in Iraq, you know, Iraq, 
and uh, and and in other parts of the Middle East. I lived and just moved back from uh, ten years in Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, and I've worked and lived in every one of those countries from Afghanistan to Morocco. Right? Love them. Love the food. Love the people. Right? And get all that food and people in Israel, all in one spot. Uh, but what I found fascinating is not one of them would come out and call for ceasefire from Hamas. Not one of them. None of them would say Why? it's incumbent upon both combatants or would incumbent upon Hamas to stop terrorism. None of them. They tacitly approve this. Many of them, many of them fully approve when they say resistance at any and all costs. That is full endorsement. Here's where I'm going to make a prediction, because I said this a little bit earlier, sort of touched on it because I was shoot, shooting the gun. Now, when this happened with ISIS, Americans who said, I want to go join ISIS, I support ISIS, I'm going to get out and make videos in support of ISIS, they immediately ran afoul of a law called material support to a terrorist group. Hamas is a designated terrorist group in the United States. And I think that over the intervening months, as the FBI starts spooling up, when we have the inevitable self-starting terrorist attack here in the United States by some of these yahoos who think that they're going to free Palestine by killing someone in Park Slope uh, or, you know, shooting up a mosque somewhere else. We had several of those incidents intercepted. Or, rip, or, ripping, down the, or ripping down the hostage signs, the faces off the yeah. children. Oh, my God. Uh, look. I, you know, I don't ever rip down a hostage sign in front of me. There's going to be a very violent confrontation. I'll take the hit on that. Because that, it's not just the disrespect on the fact that people are killed or abducted. It means you have no respect for them as human beings. Mm -hmm. Look, I went the military's hostage survival school for four years, right? And the first component of a terrorist hostage is to be dehumanized so they can be executed. And these people are advocating the dehumanization and they're showing their support from the United States. So you ripped out a hostage poster in front of me. Eh, it's going to be trouble. So, hey, Malcolm, let me ask you something. Uh, you know, tell me, how do you think that President Biden has navigated the war in Gaza? I mean, is he doing enough? Is he doing too much? And why do so many people get it wrong about Biden's response? What am yeah, I well, missing here? Well, the funny thing is, and this is where we talk about that there is a underlying latent anti-Semitism that we did not know existed in the far left of the United States. When I say far left, I'm talking about the same people that were Antifa, same people that were the extremist elements of Black Lives Matter, not the regular old mom and pop. Black Lives Matter poster in this window, but the people who were constantly out there activating being activists, raising money, all right, who were also part of the Democratic Socialists of America and the, uh, you know, social justice warriors, whatever you want to call yourselves, they were looking for something new. And when this flared up, they declared on the same day as 10-7, full alliance with Hamas and the Free Gaza Movement. I remember one of the first things that I did that morning when I, this thing was going on, I was watching it in real time. I was watching live streams of Hamas video, places I had been to. I had been to Ashkelon before. I'd been to Sidorot. Here's Hamas teams in downtown Sidorot 
doing major running gun battles with the police station live. And these people were cheering it, making posters of the paragliders that went in and massacred everyone at the Nova Music, Music Festival. I have African-Americans and Latino-Americans and other people and white kids who are calling themselves social justice warriors suddenly material supporting a terrorist group in front of me. I, Amazing. you know, before I wrote my five New York Times bestsellers on Trump, I wrote six books on terrorism and terrorist ideology. And, you know, my platform is very simple. Malcolm Nance is easy to understand. Cross the terror line. You are my death enemy. Right. Yeah, amen, and these, the, amen. These people are cheering them, Michael, cheering them. And you know what? Yeah, I'm back from Israel because I've now walked the grounds. I've walked the grounds of those massacres. I've walked the Nova uh, Festival site. I went through Kafaraza and saw where people were set fire and burned to death in their homes and little kids were shot in their bedrooms and all of these things. I've seen the new version of the long video where women were raped, women were murdered. There's one woman was raped and they set fire to her at the Nova Festival. They were, I mean, it's horrible. Of the 136 deaths that they showed, you know what? I'd seen most of those videos where Hamas's channels on the day of 10-7. They were proud of this. They had over 500 GoPro cameras that were recording their gun battles and massacres and even their own deaths, thank God. So, you know, for these people who are out there, if you call yourself a supporter of the children of Palestine, Hamas chose this war. Hamas chose that, the, 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 as they say in Islam, right, it is God's will, all right? You don't choose anything. God chooses. Well, Hamas chose this time. Hamas attacked Israel. Well, they no. certainly chose wrong this time, I'll tell you that. No, no, no. They chose deliberately. They wanted Israel to come in, and they thought they were going to have this Gaza City Stalingrad in the first mm -hmm. week of war, right? When the, when the Israelis held back at our recommendation for three weeks from the ground invasion, and we prepped it like Fallujah, that's when Hamas was getting pounded, getting their tunnels blown out. And then when the Israeli army came in professionally and started eating that city like Pac-Man, people are upset that a major urban war is going on in a major urban city and that every building, every 100 meters is being destroyed. That's called war. And I've got people coming in my face. That's genocide. No, Rwanda was a genocide. Almost a million people killed on one side with machetes. Uh, Cambodia was a genocide. A million people. The intent to eliminate everybody. The yeah. Holocaust. Yeah, the, ho the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. The Holocaust. Oh, <laughs> I spoke I mean, it out on this. So I don't want to hear this from these people who don't know yeah. what a dictionary is. The, the death or partial death of a people. No, that's called war. It's called a war, and you should get Hamas to stop it now. So let me ask you this then, because MAGA Mike Johnson and the majority in the House have lined up behind Donald Von Schitzenpants and are <laughs> screwing our allies in both Israel and Ukraine. How do you think that it'll ultimately go? You, will we abandon our allies? I mean, can Ukraine legitimately survive without us? Without us? I mean, let me be very clear about something. The Ukrainian people are tough. 
right? And we know, based upon at least what Zelensky is saying, they will never give up. But without our help, how long do you think that they could even hold out? Well, first off, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, you know, I'm a, as, as a Ukrainian Army Legionnaire, I've still got guys who are still in the field after two years. Wow. Um, they're not going to lose any ground. Or they may lose a little bit down at Avdivka, which I have no I was at Avdivka pre-war. I have no idea how Avdivka held out for two years. That's just a miracle. That should have fallen on day one, hour one. But Ukraine will not lose any more terrain. The problem is we need to sustain their ability to hold and take back terrain. Ukraine will not lose this war. They were going to, you know, they will fully mobilize man, woman and child if that's what it takes to get there. The Europeans are stepping up in terms of artillery support. But the United States, to find that one half of our government are traitors, straight up traitors. I'm saying that in the terms as it was written in the Constitution of the United States, lending material support to a foreign enemy. Right. All right. Mm -hmm. Aid and comfort to a foreign enemy. Granted, we're not at war, but we are letting down a U.S. ally to betray them. And it's Mike Johnson. Someone needs to find out how a man with no bank accounts is living and is in, apparently in the full pocket of Vladimir Putin. That man's got dirty money somewhere. Somebody better get on that in the Justice Department. Donald Trump, well, we know that that guy, since 1977, they've been watching him, and they know how to play him like a marionette. He is Putin's ultimate puppet. And the rest of his Kremlin crew, as I called them in my first book, right, with a K, crew with a K, um, the Kremlin crew are all there. All the players are there. And then the Republican Party has flipped over like a passive puppy dog, all right, that will do and say anything Donald Trump says, even if it is to betray the fundamentals of American defense in Europe, including withdrawing from NATO. This is a yep. party of treason. Done. I've said it. I can't believe anyone that swore an oath to protect and defend the United States would say, well, you know, Hitler invaded Europe. So why should we, uh, you know, go through with this uh, even after a Pearl Harbor thing? Hello, welcome back. How you doing? I see it's 3.4k, even though there's just law enforcement, so... Thank you, pig. Thank you, piggies. Mm, let's see here. Ashcroft, Rankle, Veterans. WhatsApp, tell Max I refer you to him about a business investment that will change his financial life. Um, I think it's great. Tell Max. That's the message. Mm. 
Billy Carson official. Is it wrong? Billy Carson, Billy Carson official. <laughs> Zero. Billy Carson official. Zero. <laughs> Much further than. can't even form a basic sentence with the correct spelling of words. Why the hell would anyone want that as a sheriff? <laughs> Troll. I mean, the pigs are already smooth-brained enough. They don't need you in there making them even better. Talking about saying with the correct spelling of words. Huh. What are you talking about? Let's check in with, with, uh, why does touch? Fox panel loses it after co-host explains how unpopular Diaper Don is. For 54 years, they were trying to get Roe v. Wade terminated, and I did it, and I'm proud to have done it. Dark action to protect the unborn, like nobody has ever done. Nobody has ever done it. She gave us a preview of the final push she was speaking last night. Talked about getting rid of Roe, how everyone's happy about that. We know from all of the turnout in the special elections that that is not true. But she said if it gets between Donald Trump and Joe Biden again, you will vote for who? I will vote for President Biden. I have five grandchildren, four of them are girls, and I'm very concerned about women's issues and democracy. Forcing school prayer, something hugely unpopular. 
You talk about migrants streaming yeah, down Stake Mountain. You can Hold on. No, you're talking the, about you want to win the election, right? You right. don't want to just win the primary. But I'm not pleased with the enthusiasm of the Trump base. They are going to show up, and that is what would make me nervous. Yeah, but they showed up in 2020, and, and Trump lost. I mean, they just keep offering her alleys to oop. So who am I to not bring you each and every one with a dose of Scottish sarcasm? Actually, I'm surprised that they have this high of a threshold for humiliation. He was lying because the Russians were feeding him the disinformation. It's so embarrassing. In the wake of Trump's most recent rally in which he showed up over an hour and a half late, slurring his way through his speech. I mean, just imagine the coverage if Biden had this much trouble saying evangelical. Love of Christ, the stories of the Holy Bible and the voices of famed evangelical people and evangelists, evangelists like evangelical, Donnie. You know, that religious group that loves you, even though you could not quote a single passage from the Bible. You're going to believe in God because God is here and God is watching. God is watching. And God probably can't believe what he's... I'm wondering what one or two of your most favored Bible uh, verses are well, and why. I, I wouldn't want to get into it because to me that's very personal. You know, Old Testament guy or New Testament guy? Uh, probably equal. But again, I couldn't care less about the gaffos. I want to talk about substance. And while it's hard to grasp any from Trump's ramblings, I wanted to first go to the intro from one of his minions who touted their project... 2025 agenda, which, if you haven't heard, includes a de facto national abortion ban, puts Medicare on a path to privatization, and seeks to end marriage equality. You know, all the popular stuff. We've been working with all of them on one project since soon after Joe Biden took the oath of office, before any conservative presidential candidates had even entered the race. As my friend and colleague Paul Danz before talked about briefly, our project 2025 is developed a comprehensive policy agenda, but even more importantly, recruiting people, 20,000 people to go into the next administration, hopefully to help take back this country. Well, in response to this, Jessica Tarlov moved from her usual spot on Fox News at 5 to give a fresh panel a dose of reality on this very subject. That Donald Trump continues to brag about things that are actually wildly unpopular. Donald Trump gave us a preview of the final push. He was speaking last night. Talk about getting rid of Roe, how everyone's happy about that. We know from all of the turnout in the special elections that that is not true. Let yes. me do this. Donald Trump lost in 2007, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, and last night. Wow. Okay. Forcing school prayer, something hugely unpopular. Freedom worship does not end at the door at a public school, and I supported school prayer, very important school prayer, which we forced, unfortunately had to force into some schools. It should be very easy. You would think it would be very easy, but it wasn't, but we did it. You talk about migrants streaming yeah. down Stake Mountain. You can Hold on. No, you're talking the, about you want to win the election, right? You right. don't want to just win the primary. January Sixers are hostages. No, the hostages are in Jessica, Gaza. And the Department of Education Jessica, being whittled down to one person all due respect, to ensure we all speak English. In all due respect, you know, the, the talk that you bring up has not worked. I mean, you look at every national poll, minus Quinnipiac, 
President Trump is prevailing in them. Then why, that is, he, why is President Biden down just 1.9 points in the real clear politics average? The cherry picking polls when it is so... We he needs it up to be higher. Barack Obama was down five to Mitt Romney. Why is it higher? I don't remember his administration at all. He needs a reset. He knows it. The State of the Union is supposed to be the reset. We will see. Okay. Is the reset that I can't wait to visit. I would advise changing the rhetoric. As I'm Biden and I'm looking at this, Jessica, I, I'm very pleased with my fundraising. I'm pleased yeah. with my mail-in vote operation in the midterms. I'm pleased with my TikTok social media operation. <laughs> but I'm not pleased with the enthusiasm of the Trump base. They are going to show up, and that is what would make me nervous. Yeah, but they showed up in 2020 and, and Trump lost. <laughs> this project 2025 on day one. And while it may be hard for him to articulate what it entails, let's actually take a closer look at who is making up this legislation. Right now, the Heritage Foundation's 2025 presidential transition project, a sprawling coalition made up of nearly 100 anti-abortion and conservative groups, is in the process of designing a far-reaching anti-abortion agenda for Trump's second term. They're drafting executive orders Trump could use to roll back abortion protections, orders that he could implement as early as day one. Under a second Trump term, federal agencies could be empowered to end telemedicine for abortion pills. They could penalize and prosecute virtual clinics that prescribe abortion pills to patients in states with a ban. Federal agencies could stop health clinics that receive federal family planning funds from advising patients of all their options, including abortion and they could classify ingredients in abortion pills as so-called forever chemicals, which, of course, are subject to stricter regulations. They also want to require doctors who prescribe the pill, even for miscarriages, to collect and dispose of the aborted fetus. But there's more. Project 2025 is also pushing Trump to enforce a 19th century era law known as Comstock Act which could not only cut access to the pills used in the majority of abortions, but access to the medical equipment used for the procedure. And of course, strict enforcement of the law could lead to criminal prosecutions Crazy. of both providers and patients. And yes, they're also going after medically necessary abortions, calling on Trump to rescind Biden administration guidance that requires hospitals to offer abortions to patients experiencing medical emergencies regardless of state bans on the procedure. For many, that can be a matter of life and death. Project 2025 plan is made up of nearly 100 anti-abortion and MAGA groups and is in the process of designing a far-reaching anti-abortion agenda for Trump's second term. They're literally drafting executive orders for Trump to roll back freedoms on day one. So do not let Donald Trump fool you with the so-called moderate talk on abortion, because a second Trump term, regardless of the makeup of the Congress or the courts, would be disastrous for the future of reproductive rights in this country. Come 2025, with the stroke of a pen this fast, the man responsible for the fall of Roe could go even further, gutting what's left of abortion access in the U.S. Now, do you understand why I'm so helping on focusing not so much on the things that he mispronounces, but the action that he plans to take if he's allowed a second term? Honestly, they're both old. Who gives a shite? We're here to discuss which of them is likely to give more rights to an embryo than a woman. Do you have a reaction to the Alabama Supreme Court ruling on the fact that embryos are children? Yeah, I was all for it. 
we need to have more kids. We need to have an opportunity to do that. And this, I thought this was the right thing to do. But IVF is used to have more children, and right now IVF services are paused at some of the clinics in Alabama. Aren't you concerned that this could impact people who are trying to have kids? Well, that's for that's for another conversation. People need to have that. We need more kids. We need the people to to have the opportunity to have kids. Senator, what do you say to the women right now in Alabama who no longer have access to IVF? Well, that's a hard one. It really is. It's really hard. Because, uh, again, you want people to have that opportunity. And, and that's why I was telling her, we need more kids. Because make no mistake, right, the latest ruling in Alabama that seeks to criminalize IVF is all a ripple effect from the Supreme Court from stacked with a medieval outlook that is soon to be reality across America. Roe was just the start. So while Jessica Tarlov is on hand to remind the odd viewer that slips through the cracks on Fox, the majority of Americans are actually against these decisions. It's on us to remind everyone else because a nationwide abortion ban is firmly on the ballot in November. Well, he can run, but he can't hide from his words. And what is coming out now and finally in the public discourse is the stark contrast between the president we have, the president who is committed to women's rights, something here in the state of New York we've been fighting for since the first women's convention, 1848. It's in our DNA to fight for women's rights. So then contrast that with someone who, yes, take him at his word. He said he was going to stack the Supreme Court with pro-life justices. He said he was going to overturn Roe v. Wade. So why wouldn't we believe him now when he says that if he were to be elected in some doomsday scenario for our country, but if he was the next president of the United States, heaven forbid every woman in this country, regardless of what their governors are trying to do to protect them, would be washed out. They would be losing their rights. And to me, that's abhorrent. My mother fought for these rights. I fought for these rights. My daughter and my newborn baby granddaughter should have the rights that were fought for and not stripped away by a man named Donald. Love this video? Make sure you stay up to date on the latest breaking news and all things Midas by signing up to the Midas Touch newsletter at MidasTouch.com slash newsletter. Jerry. Come on, ladies, wake up. Defund Viagra. Defund Viagra. My own. Let's see here. <clears throat> I think we'll start with Facebook too. 
Let's see what months, what else Mars touches up to. Supreme Court finally ready for a decision on Diaper Dawn. Diaper Dawn and Magi quickly betray the entire world with latest moves. Hi, I'm Nicole Hockley from Sandy Hook Promise. I know this is hard to hear, but it's important. We forced this issue. We kept forcing NATO all the way to Eastern Europe, and uh, Putin just got tired of it. He said, listen, I do not want missiles on my border from the United States of America. It'd be like... Russia coming to Mexico and putting missiles in Mexico. Uh, I understand what, what he's talking about. You can tell Putin's on top of his game. One thing he said that it really rung a bell is our the propaganda media machine over here. They sell anything they possibly can to go after Russia. They can't win. It's not going to happen. Somebody needs to negotiate. Donald Trump will have it over with in a matter of weeks. There you have it. Senator Tommy Tuberville, the senator from Florida, well, technically Alabama, but lives in Florida, sharing the precise Russian talking points over and over. It's now been over two years since the brutal invasion of Ukraine, and they remain defiant, even as the Republican Party here does everything it can to help Vladimir Putin. To mark the anniversary of the university, I want to have a short talk, which will be a new series of things we do here for On Democracy, with journalist Tim Mack. He's been on the show before. He's based in Ukraine, and he's been covering the war up close and literally personally since it started. So I'm so excited to uh, welcome Tim to the show. Uh, let's get going. Tim, man, it's so good to connect with you on this important and sad anniversary. Back to the beginning. This issue, we kept forcing NATO all the way to Eastern Europe, and uh, Putin just got tired of it. He said, listen, I do not want missiles on my border from the United States of America. It'd be like Russia coming to Mexico and putting missiles in Mexico. Uh, I understand what, what he's talking about. You can tell Putin's on top of his game. One thing he said that it really rung a bell is our the propaganda media machine over here. They sell anything they possibly can to go after Russia. They can't win. It's not going to happen. Somebody needs to negotiate. Donald Trump will have it over with in a matter of weeks. There you have it. Senator Tommy Tuberville, the senator from Florida, well, technically Alabama, but lives in Florida, sharing the precise Russian talking points over and over. It's now been over two years since the brutal invasion of Ukraine, and they remain defined, even as the Republican Party here does everything they can to help Vladimir Putin. To mark the anniversary of the I want to have a short talk, which will be a new series of things we do here about with journalist Tim Mack. He's done a show before, based in Ukraine, and he's been covering the war up close and literally personally since it started. Right, two yeah. years ago, when the full-scale invasion uh, 
first erupted and, and, and Russia decided that it would break all established you know, international norms and try to take territory by force, start a war over it, over some historical grievances that aren't even legitimate, yeah. um, everyone, everyone, uh, whether inside Ukraine, outside Ukraine, uh, was generally pretty agreed upon the fact that Russia was the aggressor, Ukraine was defending the values we can all agree on, those of democracy and a free people trying to make their own decisions. Yep. And now here we are two years later, and what Putin has really relied on this entire time as his strategic thinking is that if they keep going long enough, they will be able to kind of cut off enough people who are not that interested in this particular topic. They'll be able to cut off some other people for uh, various other uh, reasons due to Russian propaganda, Russian talking points, uh, folks who are more isolationist, folks who can, can be convinced on A, B, and C, uh, people like Tucker Carlson. Right. Um, that, that over time, people just won't care enough or will even be able to be persuadable to be against, uh, you know, against the Ukrainian cause. It's a really sad and a, a really notable point, you know, in the war right now. That even as a democratic country is going through it and seeing tremendous sacrifice in blood and sweat and funds and money and time, and I see it every day, uh, that yeah. um, the rest of the world, uh, in, in particular the United States, can't seem to live up to its promise to support Ukraine till the end. I mean, these, this has tremendous long-term effects that we could be going into a scenario where the United States, which had, until this point had been looking at a strategic victory and, and weakening yeah. one of its major strategic opponents, yeah. is now coming into a situation where they could be facing a strategic defeat in that Ukrainians feel, and will certainly feel, epically betrayed um, uh, if the United States doesn't follow through with its word and, and deliver aid. And many Ukrainians will actually forget senators. Ukrainians may, may be vulnerable to the Russian talking point or the Chinese talking point. You can't trust the United States because when they say they're going to be there for you, um, they're really going to be there for you only as long as their attention span allows. And they don't have any sort of long-term strategic vision. You can't trust their word. And frankly speaking, if the United States doesn't follow through with what it said it would do, then there's th th there's a point there, isn't there? And, right. And, I mean, and, and you can't argue it. I mean, here we are. Risk. This is a real risk. This is a real yeah. risk. And so the decision hasn't been made, but every day it seems like the United States is getting closer to a position where there will be no aid forthcoming and those promises will not be met. And that's a very dangerous dangerous uh, day indeed, because it has implications not only for Ukraine, it has implications all across Europe and in Asia, for example, places where the United States has made commitments. And there's this kind of siren song of authoritarians saying, you can't trust them, you can't trust them. That's the real risk here. Yeah, and 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 you follow closely. Um, obviously, you write the counteroffensive. I read it, ad, you know, avidly. Um, you just came out with. I mean, here we are, two years. I think no one expected on uh, those early days 
they would survive that. I mean, if you, it, it is easy to it's easy to forget those early days. And as we talk about the situation out here today, people have doubted Ukraine from the start, right? I mean, they 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 thought it would fall. Our own military assessed they'd fall in three days. Everyone thought it was going to be a quick battle, but the Ukrainians fought, and I think no one expected that. Uh, and you just published a fascinating story on on the counteroffensive in depth about the battle for Kiev. And just how, I mean, you know, I'm reading this thing and just just how close it was at times and what saved the day and what may have turned that back. You know, take us back to those early days from the anniversary of that first battle north of Kiev and what you guys found in your extensive reporting on that key battle. His grandpa turned his dusty house into a fresh air paradise without lifting a finger. My wife had been suffering from allergy symptoms for years. Something about the air inside our home was causing her to constantly sneeze and cough. I was so alarmed I almost called 911. What started out as common allergies quickly turned into a full-blown sickness. Our friends at Yeah, so we spent the better part of a year gathering eyewitness accounts and talking to people who fought at this epic battle this 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 really important I, I consider it the most important battle of the war so far it's a battle yeah. called the battle of antonov airfield and it took place northwest of kiev about 60 kilometers away from the city center and yeah. what was so strategic and important there was that there was an airfield there that was normally used for cargo and flight testing a really long air uh, airfield yeah. um and the russian strategic objective or, or their objective that day was to take this airfield and then use it to bring in um, about 18 huge cargo planes with a thousand troops on it, armored vehicles, and use that as an air bridge so they wouldn't have to get bogged down as they ultimately did get bogged down right. on the roads for, uh, north of Kiev. So the, 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 the story that we wrote um, uh, on the counteroffensive, which you can read at counteroffensive.news, Yep. Um, is all about is all about how that happened, how the Ukrainians were able to deny Russian special operations forces. These these Ukrainian forces were non-combat troops, not really meant for any sort of airfield defense. They fought off um, the VDV, the the, the um, Russian elite airborne troops, um, using nothing more than small arms against. Um, against armored helicopters. There was, there's one anecdote in our reporting about how one soldier on the Ukrainian side ran out of ammo and was dry, was shuttling ammo to and from the airfield as the battle was going on. And without anything, without any rounds in his rifle to fire, he spots some Russian soldiers at the side of the airfield and he just hits the gas in his black BMW and runs them over. Um, that's how desperate. BMW for the win. That's how desperate that. They should do a commercial. They should do a commercial. BMW, not just fast on the road, also runs down um, Russian soldiers. Um, but like, I, I think that says something about yeah. whether you know. It, and and here's the lesson for me in that, and how that applies to today, is that the the United States and the West can choose to support Ukraine or not. There there was a there was a you know. There was a quote that I heard early in the full-scale invasion that as long as there's a 12-year-old boy with a plastic butter knife in Ukraine, there's going to be resistance. Like, um, and you can, but no one wants, you know, I, I don't think anyone with any sort of conscience wants this to be that kind of resistance. And the United yeah. States is an opportunity to, you know, uh, to, to have a major strategic win by making sure that it's not 12-year-old boys with 
uh, plastic butter knives. It's uh, it's uh, military-age males with the appropriate armored vehicles, drones, and missiles that they need to fight back this Russian invasion. Yeah, and and without that. And, you know, again, I think we, I want to circle back what we said at the beginning is, you know, what, what is America's reputation? Well, what is the West? What is NATO's reputation? world if we allow this to continue, uh, allow them to fail. So bringing it back to today, uh, and you said it, right? You kind of touched on it. You know, Ukraine has had a retreat from a key city last week. Um, reports are they're running out of ammunition. I mean, we have we've burned up all the money. We're, we're, we're trying to find clever ways, giving money to allies who then give it to give their own equipment to the Ukrainians. I mean, I'll, I'll give Biden the administration, the Department of Defense credit and start at State Department credit for trying to find clever ways to get around the obtuseness of our own Congress every way legally possible. We're not going to do a Reagan, I imagine. <laughs> I hope not. But here we are, you know. But then again, maybe. <laughs> um, so where is it today? You know, and I guess probably a great place to stop our conversation. You know, what happens today? Where where are things at today? And and how desperate is the situation? And, and, and where do they go from here? Um, I'll make a couple points. The pessimism in Ukraine is unlike anything I've seen uh, at any point until now. And the reason is that you know, there's the physical trauma that's happening on the front lines. Yeah. Uh, uh, soldiers are coming back either in body bags or without, you know, limbs, yeah. desperately wounded. And I, you know, we've done a lot of reporting on, for example, the, the how um, how wild and dangerous some of these frontline evacuations are. We embedded with one of these um, ambulances uh, from eastern Ukraine into central Ukraine, where the hospital hubs are. So there's the physical uh, physical trauma side, but I, I can't overstate the um, the grind mentally and psychologically that two years now going into the third year of war that that takes on people that it's both cumulative and cascading. It 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 travels from person to person. This kind of sadness, this kind of grief, this kind of um, this, this, the, all the, all the images and the videos and the stories you've heard that all collects. And um, you know, people that I, that I met very early in the invasion, who I thought were just rock solid people, could never break. I'm starting to see them crack, and it's just a, it's just a horrific thing to see. To see how, you know, this wears on you, uh, and wears on people around you. Um, that, that's that's one of the major things. So I, I think, on a military, from a military perspective, um, you know, in order to do appropriate defensive or offensive operations, you need to have a baseline amount of ammunition. Um, from what I'm hearing on the front lines, they don't have, they don't have it. Um, they don't have the tools they need. Basic things, um, and uh, it's hard not to point the. It's hard not to point the finger at the United States. Like I said, the will to fight is there. I mean, the will to fight is as great as, as any other fighting force I've, I've seen. Yeah. So that's not a matter of motivation. It's a matter of, of whether they have the equipment and the resources they need to execute. And, and when it comes to that, you know, I think the Ukrainians over time, they're going to need an explanation for why this happened if it does go south. And... Uh, I don't think they're going to blame themselves. I think they're going to blame the the, the uh, broken promises from folks in the West, and that's going to have terrible long-term effects on Ukraine's relationship with the United States and other countries. 
Well, and, and I think other countries are watching. There, there are countries who are in the in the far the countries that do border Russia, the countries that border China, and uh, you know even South Korea. You know they're they're watching and saying you know you know when we have the will to fight, do do our allies have the will to support us? Uh, historically, we have, but when you see a Republican Party, especially, and that's we have we can't say Congress. I get mad when I see stories like, well, Congress, no, it's not Congress. This is why you need it's to a write me of in. Republicans who've decided they want to, for reasons that are completely inexplicable to me, uh, carry Russian water. Sam, I appreciate your time, and I know you're busy. I think you're traveling back to Ukraine again. Um, most importantly, where can our viewers find you? That much is clear. Period. Yeah, they can they can reach out at. at And send him to the damn Hague. And send him to the damn Hague. War criminals. As a war criminal. Newsletter where we go deep into human stories of folks undergoing the news, going through the And that's how we try to break through this idea of, you know, so-called Ukraine fatigue by writing these fascinating, deeply reported uh, stories. Yeah. Well, appreciate you, man. Stay safe. No over more I, I weapons. For Israel. Man, thanks for everything you do. It's been great. We guys, for those of viewers that are Tim and I have no idea for, I don't know. Exclamation point. Uh, Nick, right? <laughs> and, uh, and here we are uh, in a different world. So, man, thanks for everything you do. Keep up the play. Thanks so much for having me. All right, brother. Cheers. Great talk with Tim. Uh, you know, I've known him for, like I said, as I mentioned, you know, I've known him for a long time. And, and this is a key moment for us. We cannot allow a few Republicans and others in Congress to undermine what needs to be done to save save our allies, help our allies to defend against an abominable, evil man. Give Ukraine to Russia. So, thanks for joining us. Again, I'm Fred Wellman, host of Odd Democracy. This has been Odd Democracy Short Take. Uh, you can catch our show on the Midas Touch Network every Friday night at 11. Uh, be sure to catch new episodes. We've got great ones coming up. Uh, incredible list of guests. People are watching. So Failed to post. On Democracy, FC Wellman, right on the Midas Touch Network every Friday night. Stay in the fight, folks. Democracy's at hand. Thank you. First off, if you haven't made money with AI yet, don't worry. AI the is the biggest building opportunity in U.S. history. I'm James Officer, if you don't already know me. Going to uh, make a little...
I was going to say put they like uh, put it aside or something because they're not it's not letting me um, edit it. As a bounty. Hmm. <clears throat> As a bounty, it says bounty. <laughs> so they're censoring me. Apparently, y'all are censoring me, shame on you. I'm right. Grandpa Brandon is dragging out this conflict. He accepted corporate warhawk. He's turning a blind eye. Got a word way to put it. ethnic cleansing that Zionist PM Netanyahu is. Also, 
fund a billion dollar bounty on Putin for his capture. Huge bounty on Putin to capture him alive. If I were president, if I were Biden. I would, uh, defend itself, comma. But justice would either would either betray our allies Palestinians Steph or press or like I don't know maybe that'll just a surprise. Apparently y'all are censoring me. Shame on you. I'm right. You'll need to write me in for president because both of the two parties' candidates are really not eligible or fit to serve as president. Obviously, Diaper Donald's a lunatic. Where? Whereas Grandpa Brandon is dragging out this conflict because he's a corporate war hawk. 
Y'all should know that Brandon accepted the most donations of any politician in America from APAC, the pro-Israel lobby. So no wonder he's turning a blind eye to Netanyahu, Zionist genocidal agenda. If I were Biden, I would get funds to help our ally defend itself, Ukraine, but also put out a huge bounty to capture Putin alive and send him to the International Criminal Court. Both of the so-called leaders of the Democrats and Republicans are what are either betray our allies or aid in Netanyahu's psychopathic agenda towards the Palestinians. We need a moderate woman like me who is tough on crime to be president, so please get me on the ballot, mighty smighty. Christopher Prez. Okay, so I'm going to delete that, I guess. This is your captain, Trista, for president speaking. Hey, y'all, don't stay home. Go to the polls and write me in. C-R-I-S-T-A, award-winning educator and journalist. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to tag the Young Democrats. I'm going to call it Dems. Um, NWPC Nationwide. Democrats. DNC AZ Rep Raskin Rep AOC Politico BBC News Wells Guardian Hamas Guardian New York Times Politics Washington Post Politics mm. Politics go. Mm, whatever, good enough.
they don't want anybody to speak out in, um, against Israel. this on um Instagram Oh this mighty Facebook. CNWPC. Do not disturb. I'll just go with the turning stuff. Oh my god. 125 Republicans, including Speaker Mike Johnson, have co sponsored a bill. H.R. 431 that would ban abortion and IVF treatments nationwide. Says apparently y'all are censoring me, shame on you. I'm right, you'll need to write me in for president because both of the two parties candidates are really not eligible or fit to serve as president. Obviously, Diaper Donald is a lunatic, whereas Grandpa Brandon is dragging out this conflict because he's a corporate war hawk. Y'all should know that Brandon accepted the most donations of any politician in America from the APAC, the pro Israel lobby, so no wonder he's turning a blind eye to Netanyahu's Zionist genocidal agenda. If I were Biden, I would get funds to help our ally defend itself, Ukraine, but also put out a huge bounty to capture Putin alive and send him to the International Criminal Court. Both of the so-called leaders of the Democrats and Republicans are what either betray our allies or aid in Netanyahu's psychopathic agenda towards Palestinians. We need a moderate woman like me who is tough on crime to be president, so please get me on the ballot, might as money.
Genocide is genocide. Y'all, tonight at a rally in South Carolina, Donald Trump actually said this. These lights are so bright in my eyes that I can't see too many people out there. But uh, I can only see the black ones. I can't see any white ones, you see? That's how far I've come. That's how far oh. I've come. That's a long, that's a long way, isn't it? Why are you laughing, dude? We've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible. You see black people walking around with my mugshot. You know, they do shirts <laughs> and they sell them for $19 a piece. It's pretty amazing. Uh, he always, who is he, Halle James Almost he always, he, I see black people, um, I just wonder, did, did he see his African American out there in, 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 in the lights, what are the lights? His one here? token oh, African American from Casting sneakers, Central. The black people, he saw in the lights and asked for that mugshot, come on now, do you think he's Biggie Smalls? America, please, please, share with your Trump-loving friends. These clips, actually, they might like it. But have them understand why what we just heard is so unbelievably racist, but also problematic for a democracy. That man should never be president of the United States again. Y'all. Y'all. <laughs> hey, Arizona homeowners. <laughs> It's Anderson P-A-A-K Hello, my name Nice. Did you know there's an organization out there in the U.S. that has paid songwriters over $1.5 <clears throat> billion dollars in just about three years? If you're not a part of this organization and you don't have a publisher, you're missing out on a lot of money if you have songs out on streaming services. This organization is the MLC. It's free for any songwriter to join. If you don't have a publisher, you need to be part of this organization. Just go to the MLC.com. You can search for your songs out there. If they're not there, you can register a free account, register your songs. Get your money. Did you know there's an organization out there in the U.S. that has paid songwriters over $1.5 no, billion dollars in just about MLC. years? If you're not a part of this organization and you don't have a publisher, you're missing out on a <clears> lot <throat> of money yeah, if you have too. songs out on streaming services. This organization is the MLC. It's free for any songwriter to join if you don't have... <laughs> Oh, 
or videos, see what it looks like. need to write me in. So changing this just a little bit. Whereas Grandpa Brandon Did you know there's an organization out there in the U.S. that has paid songwriters over $1.5 billion in just... Bro, did you see me? <laughs> <laughs> With the guitar thing. 